Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now professional wrestler and manager, Nikita Bresnikov. Uh, How you doing, Nikita? I'm doing great, and it's a nice, refreshing change to be on a different show. I love wrestling. It's my life, but I'm a horror guy, too. That's awesome. What's your favorite horror movie? The 1939 Kurt Mac Wolfman. Nice. That's a good one, too. Very good one. I love the Wolfman. Nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> nice. Nice. So how did you get your start into becoming a professional wrestler and wrestling manager? I was lucky. I'm going to steal Lou Gehrig's line. I'm the luckiest son of a bitch on the face of the earth. <laughs> I was working for the police department in Baltimore okay. at the time. Been a wrestling fan since 1970. So I saw what would come to be a staple in my life later, the cardboard advertisements. This one happened to be in a 7-Eleven that Nikolai Volkov was coming to a local show. Now, at the time, I was collecting VHS tapes of matches Mm -hmm. from the 70s and early 80s. This is how dated it is. Now, Mm -hmm. of course, everything. So I thought, hmm. Nikolai, maybe if I can get there and talk to him, he can give me a line on getting something. Right. So I go over to this venue. I'm in uniform and he comes walking the door. He says, Hello, Sergeant. I said, Hey, Nikolai, how you doing? <laughs> so, as our usual procedure before the show, the guys come out and sell photos, merch tables, like right. everything else. Right. So I go sit and talk with him. I say, You know, I like to try to get some more matches. Do you have some? Oh, I don't have none, but I pay you. I'd love to get that. I said, you will not pay me. I owe you for all of the years. I'll make it for you. So I did. I made him a nice, many tapes, actually. And then we become friends. Mm-hmm. So then I start to bug him to get into the business. Nice. And it's like anybody else. I don't care how good you are. If you don't have a sponsor, you ain't getting in that damn door. Yeah. It's just bottom line. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky. He said, you know, you you have a good job. Uh, you'll be my manager. I'm like, I don't do that. But okay, that was good. And then that led to, you know, we just, after a while, I was like, Nikolai, I'm bigger than a lot of these goofs. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'd be tag teamers. And then uh, I was able to take it over from there. That's awesome. So what was it like working with Nikolai? Oh, I miss him every day. Yeah. We were like brothers. He passed away about four years ago. Yeah. And uh, it was July 29th. And he was just a wonderful guy. Completely yeah. different than what you ever saw on television. Of course, then he became a good guy in the 80s after or mm-hmm. 90s after the curtain went down. But it was like, no, not this guy. He was a sweetheart. That'd, nice. that'd be a good way to describe him as a sweetheart. Nice. And always clowning always having a good mm-hmm. time he would do a magic trick where uh, and he was pretty good too he mm-hmm. was damn good magician nikolai couldn't write his name <laughs> or his address in english but he could do it with the magic he would do this one card trick i swear to this day i don't know how he does it. he said you pick the card so you take a card and he said okay put back and then he mixes it up so he said okay this is your card and you say no he said i know because your card is under my hat and i'm like get the shit <laughs> i open up like it is how you do yeah. that and 
just fantastic. And I mean, there was was 52 cards in the deck, and every one was there, so it was like, well, just wild. He had another trick that was a little bit X-rated he would do with these rubber balls. I can't talk about that one, but it was always <laughs> – if you know who Ox Baker is. Yes. It, yep. From Escape from New York. Yep. yep. Great professional wrestler. Yep. Ox had the booming voice and the laugh. When he did the, the ball trick with Ox, oh, my God, it brought the house down. <laughs> it was just hilarious. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So what do you believe is your – Go ahead. Ox Baker appeared on The Price is Right one time, and it's on YouTube. You just click in Ox Baker, The Price is Right, and it's hysterical. Because Bob Barker's like, oh, man, I I hope you win. (laughs) And he did get to spin the wheel, and it's like, but he was cool. That's awesome. And no offense to Drew Carey, but Bob Barker, uh, I don't know if can replace him. Nobody I grew up with Bob Barker. Yes. Yeah, my gram, uh, she watched him all the time when she was alive, and she, she loved the prices right when Bob Barker was on, and then when Drew Carey took over, it's like, nah, can't do it. It's not the same. Well, I was a younger guy, and it's earlier run, and some of those gals that were regulars, it was like, oh, <laughs> baby, I'm tooting in tomorrow. <laughs> Just to see what they were wearing. Hey, we're men, look. We wouldn't be here if Pop didn't get excited for Mom. Okay, it's just the exactly. bottom line. Exactly, exactly. Simple- one way. Exactly, simple biology. Gotta go in the <laughs> hole, and it's gotta be stiff. So you gotta be excited. That's it. That's absolutely. <laughs> so, what do you believe was one of your most favorite or best feuds that you had as a rest- You know, as a wrestler or even a manager. Uh, my favorite what? Feud, like wrestling feud. Oh, oh, geez, that's easy because my favorite was Chief J. Strongbow growing mm. up. Uh, I mean, Bruno too, but yeah. Chief J. Strongbow, spoke. He, he, I'm like a, you know, he would blow the dog whistle and I answered. And many of us were <laughs> like that because he was colorful, crazy. He would, you'd see, and you'd hear him coming because he had mm. bells, the whole thing. And uh, when he, and some people get, they think I'm going to say Greg Valentine because they did a great angle in 1979 that mm-hmm. Valentine broke the chief's mm-hmm. leg. But it's like, I like that because the chief asked me this one time because I became good friends with him <laughs> later on in, in life. And he's like, mm-hmm. what's your favorite feud with me, Nikita? And I said, Spiros Arion. What? I said, <laughs> I know you want me to say Valentine because it was your idea. And that was great, but Spiros Arion in 1974 became partners mm-hmm. with the Chief. Now, this was established because Arion was a legitimate good yeah. guy back yeah, in the yeah. 60s and good friends with Bruno. So he was gone for a long, long time. So in 1974, mm-hmm. they bring him back. And the whole story was, well, Bruno brings him back to the um, America, you know, give him a break. And he's like, well, I want to wrestle Bruno. And it's like, well, wait, 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 you know, two good guys don't wrestle. We don't do that because it's not good box office. That's what they would mm-hmm. say, right? Right. So they said, I'm going to put you with Chief J Strongbow. I think you guys would be a good tag team. And it worked out nice, but nice. then it was a little bit of uh, heated, aggra- a little bit of aggravate. Killer Kowalski started mm-hmm. it. He would wear a hood once in a while, the mask. So right. he would put the foreign right. object in and headbutt people. So Arion's undefeated. Nice. So he's wrestling against Kowalski. So Kowalski puts the foreign object in. So 
Chief hits the ring to make the save. So <laughs> ring the bell. Arion loses. So Arion's he's hot. He's like, I have never lost. And then he cost me the match. I don't want to be partners no more. <laughs> but then they put them in the ring with the Valiant Brothers, the champions. Yeah. And things were okay. But then the chief had the sleeper on Jimmy. Johnny comes nice. in as Arion came in. He hits Arion, pushes him aside to stop that. Chief gets hit and bumps Arion. Well, Arion gets knocked out or he's pissed now. Mm-hmm. He comes back and smashes a chair over the chief's head. Bruno comes out in street clothes. He's got a white shirt. Bruno's like, <laughs> what's going on? Then Bruno gets attacked, and it's like the heat was unbelievable. I mean, that it went. That's why I know we'll get to the book later when it was real. We believed, yeah. and we were Sarayan actually got stabbed at one point and coming to the, the ring because people just it was personal. You do yeah. something to or Bruno or Bob Backlund, and it's like that's our family, man. You don't get away with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you believe is the best part about being a wrestler or a manager? And what about the worst? Well, the best part is living a dream. Yeah. And I didn't have the dream because I, if you said to me, "Do you think you could ever do that?" I'd be like, "Are you crazy?" No. <laughs> Again, I was lucky. But it's like, wow, to love it, to love something that yeah. much and then get in the mm-hmm. door. It's like, this is OK. Now, the hard part, everybody gets hurt and you get hurt yeah. multiple times. A lot of driving, a lot of traveling. But that's where Nikolai and I had the most fun because nice. you got to entertain each other. Yeah. And it was like the three stooges minus one, you know, and so <laughs> we would have fun, aggravate the toll takers and anybody in the restaurant <laughs> along the way. But it is a family. It's yeah. not just the fraternity. It's a family. Because mm-hmm. here I am. I come through the door. See, let me back up. I was a severely abused child. And I say that mm-hmm. for anybody that's out there that may be going through that. My father was an alcoholic. He beat me. And that was easy part. The worst part was the psychological abuse with the mm-hmm. names and being treated like dirt. Mm-hmm. So I turned on the television. There was wrestling for me. And they saved me. Mm-hmm. Go to the arena every month. We had monthly shows in Baltimore. There they were. It was like Disney nice. World. For, you know, it was like, wow, the guys on television come to life. Yeah. So to yeah. me, you know, they saved me. And then when I entered their world, they could have just been like, hey, you go figure it out for yourself, kid. Mm-hmm. But no, they took me under their wing. And I, I did yeah. come in cocky. I yeah. thought I knew everything. I said, ah, oh, Nick, I've been watching this 20, 30 years. He's like, you don't know this part of it and he was (laughs) it was a lot to learn and they did they taught me well see luckily being with Nikolai he had the main events he's wrestling Mm -hmm. people like Bundy Snuka you know all the top names Mm -hmm. and we I got to work with Bruno he was a guest referee in a match it was Dominic DiNucci against Nikolai Mm -hmm. I got hit by Bruno because it was kind (laughs) of funny my uh, childhood friend from the Catholic grade school I went to. Mm-hmm. He had a physical problem. And here's another thing I talk about. I'm a prostate cancer survivor, 20 years, oh, this wow. July 2nd. Congratulations. So get tested and don't wait. Get that blood because, you know, we always worry about the test the doctor does and nobody likes it. But it's like, you know, it's actually kind of late if they can feel it, if, if it's that, el- if that uh, swollen. Mm-hmm. Get a blood test. That's what really saved me. Okay. So, I go to the hospital, unfortunately, 
we had to take an officer for a blood test. He was mm-hmm. using drugs. His wife put him in, and it was true. Mm-hmm. So while we're at the hospital, here comes this nurse, male nurse. And I'm looking at this guy, and he's real big. My friend was never that big before, so it didn't click on me. But still, he had some mannerisms. That's like, man, something's clicking in my head about this guy. <laughs> so then uh, they, he said, okay, my name's Tony. I said, Tony? And I said, wait a sec. I said, Anthony, is that you? And he's like, yeah, who are you? And I'm like, it's me. And he's like, oh, my God. So he, we're hugging, and he's like, the next thing he says, I got Bruno's autograph. I said, I got hit by Bruno. And he's like, what? I said, I'll tell you about it later. So it's like, but nice. just that quick, right out of his mouth, I got Bruno's autograph. That's how it was important to us. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, so as you mentioned, life on the road as a wrestler is grueling. It can be, but you had the most fun doing it as well. But what what was life on the road really like? And do you have any interesting road trip stories that you could share? Sure. I mean, when we when you have a long road trip, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, sleep in the hotels. Which is fine, you know. Yeah. To me, I'm I'm a lucky guy. I could sleep anywhere. I could sleep in a phone booth standing up. It doesn't matter. Just let me close my eyes and I'm gone. <laughs> like Chief used to say, I'm out before the light. So it's like, yeah, it's nice, <laughs> nice to be because a lot of people have trouble with the sleep. Yeah, eating, I eat like a dog still to this day. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like tonight I'm gonna have beans and hot dogs. I don't care. That's what I like. I'm not a healthy <laughs> eater. I stay in good shape, but to me coming from a polish italian family background we ate good food my grandmother was never under 200 pounds and she cooked with lard she lived to be 95 so all this other bullshit (laughs) i don't know whatever you do what you want to do but to me i eat yeah so you know we would eat in the restaurant and then uh what you'd meet so many people and to me i like to be like during the week to see what life is like mm-hmm. in New Jersey, uh, maybe Cincinnati, someplace like that, Ohio, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. hey, this is nice. Let's just see how people interact and their daily life because he was working for Baltimore County at the time, still Nikolai, and I was working still Baltimore City until I retired with the police. But I, at that time, was a detective, so I had a lot of time that mm-hmm. I could take. I had a nice day, week schedule nine to five weekends off so i could do that i I was able to get out the door but you were able to see and a lot of people see like i tell you we believed so Mm -hmm. one time we're doing a show and it was up in new jersey Mm -hmm. and we had an autograph show in the afternoon and then nighttime was the wrestling so i had my all my russian stuff on Mm -hmm. So Nikolai and I were like, and we had Dominic Danucci with us. So it's like, you know what? We're going to just go across the street to Wendy's to eat. I said, I ain't taking this shit off. Let's just go. I don't care. You know, by the time we get done, we'll be back. So we're over there standing in line. And there's this old timer. And he's got VFW hat and all this stuff. He was pissed. He's looking at me. And I guess he's World War II veteran or whatever. And he wanted to fight me. <laughs> and uh, luckily, Dominic, I'm like, I'm going to fight the old guy. I mean, shit. The Dominic stepped in. Dominic Danucci, who trained Mick Foley. That's his great claim to fame. Uh, nice. and not just his own career, but uh, he did train Mick Foley. 
And uh, Dominic was uh, another wonderful human being. He stepped in and smoothed everything up because he was old timer too. So he could talk the lingo with the guy. And it was like, <laughs> oh, shit, that's, that's good that people get that wild. But because I had a Green Beret wanted to beat the shit out of me one time. It was in uh, uh, somewhere in Ohio. And we were at a skating rink. But you, you work all kind of menus. Mm-hmm. You know, wherever the money is, that's where you are. So this guy's at ringside and he's giving, I'm doing my job, but he's, he's, you know, I'm going to F you up, man. I'm like, wow. I had your mother last night. She enjoyed it. Shout out. And also (laughs) sure enough, after the show, there he's outside. I said, Mm -hmm. Nikolai, holy shit. There's this guy. He's a green beret. He wants to fight. He's like, good luck. I go to the car. I said, you son of a bitch. Where are you going? So <laughs> this guy, he's walking up to me. I'm like, I mean, I put the bag down. I pulled out my badge. I'm like, stop. Nice. It's all show business. Relax. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you don't have no accent now. I said, no, it's all, all part of the wrestling routine, man. I'm like you. I'm going to go to work Monday morning for the police department. <laughs> you had me fooled. I'm like, good. That's what I'm supposed to do. Have you fooled, you know? Yeah. But just relax. Everything is cool. So, yeah we've become uh, yeah. friends so that was and amazing. it's funny that it's on a side note i'm actually from i actually live in baltimore county which is really interesting <laughs> like with I saw yeah. some of your posts what about if you can say i live in woodlawn woodlawn wow now see i grew up i grew up in the city okay i was in well they called it fells point but i was like in the <laughs> the neutral zone Right. I was right, right just below Patterson Park. So I was between okay. Fells Point, Highland Town, and Canton. I, nice. I could claim any of the three, but they said Fells Point. So I loved it there. And nice. uh, growing up with Orioles and Colts, yep. it was like. Are you still Orioles. in Baltimore, for me? No, I live 35 miles north of Seattle in Everett, Washington. Oh, nice. Nice. The wife nice. was from out here. So when I retired from the police department, mm-hmm. she brought me out here. And uh, oh, nice. You know, is nice, but. I miss Baltimore, the crabs, the food. Yeah. My God. Like, do you ever go to Jimmy's Seafood on Dundalk Avenue? I did. Avenue? Yes. Yeah. Jeez. And I, I live about maybe me. 10 minutes from Inner Harbor. Okay. Yep. Well, about 10 yeah, minutes yeah, from Inner Harbor. Coming down uh, Light Street, you'd hit the Inner Harbor. Yeah. Yep. And Little Italy was always a favorite stop. Yeah. And come to find out that years ago when the boys would be in town going to the Civic Center, like Chief Dominic mm-hmm. Bruno, they hit Little Italy. It's good eating. Nice. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And they beat like, so yeah, I, I have seen some of your posts, and it's like, yeah, it's God. He's he's in Baltimore, and yeah, the history. You know, the first death of the Civil War occurred on President Street. I didn't know that. Yeah, because it was a yeah. Southern sympathizing town, but the police. It was a. Uh, it, it, this factions hadn't actually mm-hmm. formed yet, but it broke out. And I think there's a marker okay. down there. There's a house uh, just at the end of Fleet Street. In fact, you can't drive any further. It's right yeah. there. And there's some kind of a building. And they, they tell you the history. But that's where the first death in the Civil War began. Nice. I was born and raised and mostly lived all my life in northeastern Pennsylvania. And I'm, I got a oh. job with the United States Coast Guard after six years of college in web and software development. I end up getting a job with the U.S. Coast Guard as their senior web developer, and I moved down here. Yep. Where about Pennsylvania? I love PA. Um, about an hour north of Harrisburg. So it's like uh, it's, it's a small town called Ashland. 
Zembo Temple Mosque at Third Division Streets in Harrisburg. You ever, you ever hear of uh, Cresona? I mean, not Cresona, um, Centralia. Yes, and I have. The, under, the under, my, underground mine fires. I'm about two two miles from there. Now we just passed the anniversary of Three Mile Island. Okay. So do you remember that? Sounds familiar. It was 1979. I don't know if you okay. were. You were probably I was born, born in 89. 89. Okay. Yeah. Well, we had almost Chernobyl. Okay. Okay. It almost melted down, and okay. it was Three Mile Island was just outside Harrisburg. Okay. And I swear that's probably part of my cancer because the wind was blowing in our direction that day. Oof. And yeah, it, one of the reactors almost melted down. They were able to stop wow. it in time. For three days, wow. we were wow. thinking, this is it. We might not be here to, mm -hmm. it, come Monday, but they got right. it under control. Yeah, and uh, on, a, on a horror movie note, uh, the, the horror film uh, Silent Hill was based off of Centralia, my neck of the woods of Pennsylvania. Really? Yes. Yep. Cool. Yep. Which is a very interesting, fun fact. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to horror, I said the wolf, man. So I'm a universal nut. Mm -hmm. When I grew up, okay, as a little guy, we mm -hmm. didn't look at them like, oh, you know, my God. They were like our friends. Frankenstein, yep. Dracula, yep. little wolf, man. Yep. And I got to yep. meet and know and become friends with Ben Chapman, right. the original creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice. Because he was at a show in Baltimore. It was CreepCon 2002, before I went in for surgery, in fact. It was June. Nice. And so, you know, we got our table set up. And I'm looking in the back. And my <laughs> wife was with us because I was living in Baltimore at the time. And she's like, I know he's back there. I said, I don't care about selling it. I'm going to go see the creature, man. I got to talk to this guy. He was wonderful. He That's was awesome. a great guy. And he looked like it. He looked like the creature. He, he had that mm -hmm. tall, lanky nice. features about him and his hands. Nice. But and uh, Julie That's Adams, awesome. who of course was the other star of the movie. Yep. He had a lot of pictures and told stories how he banged her head on the cave mm -hmm. wall when he was carrying her off because he said I couldn't see with the mask. Right. And, uh, she's dangling in my arms and it's like ah. He thinks <laughs> putting on for the movie and it's like stop cut cut and it's like what's going on. She's bleeding, and it's like, oh, banged her head wow. on the, the cave wall. And so they had to, you know, they fixed her up. Right. See, I grew up with like Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and all that. But I also loved my uncle Ken uh, had them, and he got me into them, and I loved them ever since. The Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein and meets the wolf, you know, all those movies, The Invisible Man and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the Keystone Cops. Now, see, <laughs> You, you touch on a controversial subject. That yeah. was the last appearance of the Universal Monsters mm -hmm. in Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein. Yeah, Some but, people yeah. don't like it because they say that it made made them look silly, but it didn't. It's a mm -hmm. well done story. I love it. Yeah, I love and it. And yeah. as a fact, for some real horror fans out there, it was only the second time Bella Lugosi portrayed Dracula. Mm -hmm. Original and that yeah, absolutely, it. and I absolutely love Bella Lugosi as uh, Dracula. Now John Carradine, he did a good job as Dracula, yeah. and I'm a John Carradine fan with his voice and everything else because, like in the Twilight mm -hmm. Zone, the the episode The Howling Man, yeah, she's John Carradine. But you know John Carradine's first appearance was in Bride of Frankenstein. Mm 
Okay, nice. Because uh, he the the blind the epi, the uh, scene with the blind guy mm-hmm. where Frankenstein escapes and he you know they become friends. One right. of the villagers, you can't mistake in that voice. It's John Carradine. He mm-hmm. didn't get credited yet, but I think that's right. definitely one of his first appearances. That's awesome. Boy, so, look at his spawn. Jeez. Right. So back in the day, there was no social media as well. So um, going back to the wrestling side of things, um, how, how was it when there was no social media? What was the difference back yeah. then? And and because I, I know people thought it was real. You know what I mean? Like it was actually happening. Well, see, that's why you were able to keep it under control because of, there was no social media. The social media was telephone. A uh, guy had, that you, if you were lucky enough to know somebody like in Boston or Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but then you had long distance charges and your parents yeah. would beat the yeah. hell out of you if they got the phone <laughs> bill. So it's like, you can't talk long. Yeah. So odds are you're not going to get the information. There really weren't any sheets yet, newsletters, a few mm-hmm. here and there. They really didn't start to materialize until the early 80s yeah and by then a lot of the the cat was out of the bag but you didn't get a lot of information yet mm-hmm. not like today where uh they have to actually you leave your cell phone at the door because it's like they don't want any information getting out before right. the pay-per-view or whatever is going to happen yeah. because people like to talk and i'll tell you another quick story like okay. movies yeah good movie that I was in called Brush with Danger. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of that. And I'll, I'll get into that in detail in a bit. But when we had to do our dubbing, one of the, the main producer, Olivia Chong, mm-hmm. she brought people down from LA because mm-hmm. we shot half in Seattle, half in LA. But she said it'll be easier than flying people. So she brought the big dubbing people from LA down. Mm-hmm. And this gal that worked in a lot of the studios, she was shocked because they were taking pictures in the studio that we were recording. And she's like, oh my God, you won't do that in LA. She said, they take your cell phone, you leave the studio, you have to pop the trunk. And she said, I got an old beat up car. You basically have to get a crowbar and they go through to make sure that you're not walking out with anything on your cell phone and that you didn't sneak it in. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of espionage that goes on. Yeah, that's a lot of money at stake, you know? Yeah, it really is. And I mean, NDA clauses can only do so much because how are they going to stop any, you know, you know what I mean? Like, how are they going to be able to find out if you're telling somebody privately what's happening? You know what I mean? Who who said what? Like, you know, it, it really it really can be. It's a lot of money involved. Why risk it? You know, right. And you, they may have NDA. They sue you. But if you ain't got shit, they're going to lose a lot of money. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I stop it at the door and that's the best way to handle it. That's yeah. the way to go. Absolutely. So the last question I do got for you, um, do you have anything else that you would like to promote to the listening and viewing audience? Oh, sure. My book, When It Was Real, okay. it's about the Worldwide Wrestling Federation before it nice. became WWE in the 70s, from 1970 to 79. It's not about me. It's about us, the wrestling okay. fans and, and what it all meant to us the sacrifice that everybody nice. made. And it's like, it was hard because mm-hmm. they would work. 
Yeah, you get Madison yeah. Square Garden, you get a percentage of the gate. But during the week, they would work the high school gyms or like Caltown, New Jersey. There's a yeah. real yeah. place called Caltown. And it, like Chief told me, he said, we'd step over the cow <laughs> shit to get to the ring. But it was yeah. a payday. So you could pay the bills and feed the family. Absolutely. It wasn't like people they call their millionaires. No, there's a few, <laughs> but not many. Like Hollywood. Yeah. People don't make all that big money. <laughs> you really got to get lucky. You really do. You know what I mean? Like, because the, the, I mean, how many big name celebrities are out there compared to like everybody trying to get into the business? Like there's more people that are trying to get into the business and don't make it than there are actual names. You're like, but you see Leonardo DiCaprio, he doesn't get turned down for any movies. Yes, he does. I'm sure he does. He just has, so happens to land some pretty decent roles because he's a household name. There's a lot of stories out there, you know, where people audition for things mm-hmm. that are big names that you don't know. Like Okay, like The Wrestler, the movie The Wrestler. I yeah. had a part, not in it, but of it, meeting with Aronofsky before and mm-hmm. Evan Ginsberg, who's been a longtime friend of mine. Yeah. They actually wanted Nicolas Cage. He was okay. the first he was kind of small, but that didn't, they didn't come to terms on the contract. So then it was Mickey Rourke, who was perfect. I mean, he was yeah. a great choice. Yeah, absolutely. And like but for me, said, the only other plug is I'm always willing to work acting. I've got multiple credits on IMDb and nice. I'm good to go. And I love horror. So. That's awesome. Absolutely. And I'll keep you in mind. I have a horror production company called Gravestone Films and uh, I'll keep you in mind. Uh, because uh, I, I know we're in post-production on our <laughs> we're, we're all it's me and my co-owner Carl Miller and right now we're in post-production of our next movie and then after that we're going to be talking about what we want to do next but uh I mean uh we're, we're a small company um you know just the two of us really so I need to put you in touch with somebody and I'll talk to you off camera about it okay and they live in the area and they uh okay. Gary and Sue Svila I gotta mention their names I mean nice Gary has a collection of original posters of Universal, nice. and they they both have done many many small budget movies. Nice. They're from passion, from the heart. Yeah, I mean, not everybody makes a million dollars, like we just said, but yeah, they love what they do. They're great yeah. people. Absolutely, and sometimes the indie film community is better than Hollywood itself. It doesn't have the funds, but you know, you have the freedom of making what you want without answering to the big studios and all that stuff. Like you can, you know, do what you want to do and go with whatever distributor you want to go with, and you can make the creative decisions you want to do when it's your movie. You don't have any studios and you know Hollywood directors and Hollywood producers to be like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, you you got your own freedom. They're just a pain in the ass, big ass is all it it really is. is. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I definitely will. Uh, For anybody listening to this, uh, check out Nikita's book. And uh, where can people buy it if they want to pick up a copy? It is on crowbarpress.com, C-R-O-W-B-A-R, crowbarpress.com. The Kindle version is on Amazon. Awesome. And uh, find me on Facebook. I'm I'm always there. Awesome. Do everything. Facebook, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. I thank you, Nikita, so much for joining me this evening. And you have a great rest of your evening. And we'll talk again, my friend. Yep, sounds good. Bye.